0: Good
1: morning to you. Happy Wednesday, August 17th. I'm Adam Wright. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven this fine Wednesday morning. Let's begin our day in prayer as we always do. We pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day, for all the intentions of your sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. O most blessed Mother, heart of love, heart of mercy ever listening, caring, consoling, hear our prayer. As your children, we implore your intercession with Jesus, your Son. Receive with understanding and compassion the petitions we place before you today. We are comforted in knowing that your heart is ever open to those who ask for your prayer. We trust to your gentle care and intercession those whom we love and who are sick or lonely or hurting. Help all of us, Holy Mother, to bear our burdens in this life until we may share eternal life and peace with God forever. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today on the show, we've got uh, some great stuff for you today. We're going to be hearing from Doug Berry once again about spiritual warfare and some of the great tools we have in the battle against evil. And then later on, we're going to be talking with Kristalina Evert about, well, we've got a new series with her that we're doing over the next couple of weeks. And today we're going to talk about what it means to be made new and what our purpose is. And she's got a, a new book out, especially for the women. Uh, The ladies listening today, you definitely want to stay tuned for that. And men, you know, if you're looking for a gift for your wife, it's always good to know about these things. I'm not saying rush out and buy this book, but I'm not saying don't rush out and buy this book. I'm saying pay attention and shower your wife with kindness every day, whether it's in the form of gifts or just everyday ordinary acts of love, shower your wife with kindness. I need to do a better job of that myself. I think we all do, right? We all do. So let's all do it together. Uh, And finally, on the show today, we're going to be talking with Dr. Scott Hahn yet again. And uh, today we are going to be talking about a very important title given to the Blessed Mother at the foot of the cross when she is standing there with the beloved disciple. And that's, you know, if if you know, you know. And if you don't, stay tuned, because then you'll know later what that title is and why it's so important. So that's what's on the show today. Um, You know, I just got to say this. The other I'm I'm sure you've heard about this news story that there was a publication over the course of the weekend talking about the rosary and everybody seems to have a comment on it. And, you know, and I don't you know me. I don't comment for the sake of commenting. There's plenty of people that offer commentary for the sake of commentary. I don't need to be one of them. You don't you know, you don't need to know every last thing. I think you have your own opinions. You form your your own conscience through the church. You you study, you form your faith. I mean you take it seriously. You're listening to Catholic radio at seven o'clock in the morning on a weekday right now. I don't need to tell you to take your faith seriously, you already do. You know, but we're all striving for the same thing to grow holier, to grow holier, to grow holier. I say it three times because it's that important. We want to get to heaven, we want to be saints one day. And you know, I just think this this especially is not the time. This is not the time to put away that rosary out of fear or out of shame or out of any, and and not to, to show it off in pride either. It's, it's certainly not the time for that to say, look at me, I pray the rosary every day. It's just time to pray the rosary every day. That's what it is. No more, no less. It's time to pray the rosary every day. I think I mentioned this yesterday. I, I can't remember if I mentioned it on the show or in a conversation here in the office, but you look at some of the goofiness going on in the world today you know as as we put it with dr ray yesterday the reading writing and ridiculous that happens in the world um a lot of it we've seen before in some form whether it was the gnostic heresies you know some of it this whole idea of my soul my spirit is separate from my body you know that i i might not be what my body is that's that's albigensianism separating the soul from the body you know, the body's bad, the soul's the only thing that's good. Body bad, soul good. That was Albigensianism. And what was, you know, there's a lot more to it than that, by the way. Don't, don't go out and tell everybody. Adam Wright told me everything I need to know about Albigensianism. There's a lot more to it than that. But what was the tool given to the church? It was given by Our Lady to St. Dominic. We heard about it last week on the show. The rosary. The rosary, the rosary, the rosary. So don't stop praying your rosary. Don't get proud and conceited in praying your rosary. Just pray your rosary. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, We do have a lot to get to on the show today, so without further delay, let us go now to Mike Roberts for a look at
2: today's weather. Today is the feast day of St. Joan of the Cross. Born in France in the mid-17th century, her baptismal name was Jean Delano, and she was the youngest of 12 children. Her father was a draper and her mother ran a small shop that catered to pilgrims who came to visit a local shrine to the Blessed Mother known as Our Lady of Pity, with a statue of the Blessed Mother holding the body of Jesus while an angel supports his head. She grew up working in the shop and then after her mother died, running it herself. Unfortunately, Jean was known for her greed and an especially strong dislike for the poor and those begging for help. Then one day, she crossed paths with a poor widow named Francois Fauché, who predicted Jean would one day have a passion for those she so despised who were poor. After this encounter, Jean's heart did change, and she began caring for those poor she so often disliked. Eventually, she closed her business and found what came to be known as the Congregation of St. Anne of Providence, and it was then she took the name St. Joan of the Cross. She would go on to found 12 communities and several hospices and school. She died on this day in 1736 and was canonized in 1982 by Pope St. John Paul II. St. Joan of the Cross, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day.
1: Saint of the Day can arrive each
3: morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts.
1: Doug Barry is with us again today. We're talking about the tools that God gives us for spiritual warfare. And so, Doug, we've talked about sacramentals, those things that we can wear, those things that we can have around the house, metals, scapulars, blessed salt, holy water. We talked about the prayers that we can be praying every day. And you mentioned, you know, the saints that you pray through their intercession, might be different than the saints that I pray through their intercession, and that's the beauty of the church is we have so many great saints that everybody can pick the saint that resonates with them, but I'm going to combine all of this now, both a prayer and something I keep in my pocket that I carry with me everywhere I go, and that's my rosary, because in all of this, until we start talking about the sacraments, when we're talking sacramentals and devotions, there is no greater tool we have than the Holy
4: Rosary. This is one of those things that in, even in exorcisms, it has been proven that the demons flee from the rosary. They despise calling on the Blessed Mother, especially in this way, through this devotion. And it's not even just the Blessed Mother alone, which right there, you're talking about the woman that is the, the head crusher, if you will, of the demons. But as we've mentioned in the past, this is the school of the Holy Family. This brings us into the streets of Jerusalem. We can almost feel the dust of Christ carrying the cross. We can see the drops of blood when we meditate on the sorrowful mysteries. If we really step into those moments, we can hear the crowd screaming and shouting. We can be at the wedding feast of Cana, and we can hear the conversation going on amidst all the laughing and the singing and the conversation of all the people who've gathered from so far away. And then there's the Blessed Mother talking to Jesus saying, son, they're out of wine. These amazing pieces of the life of Christ and the history of the Holy Family, of all those characters, if you will, that have lived in all of those 20 mysteries, this can roll around inside of our heads and in our hearts and flow through our veins. It is life-changing, altering sort of prayer and devotion, and the demons hate it. They despise it. But it also changes us. When we pray the rosary, it changes the way we look at so many things in life. On a natural level, meditating on the rosary, especially for 15 to 20 minutes, is a very calming thing that actually can help the brain heal. This has been studied and tested. Archbishop Fulton Sheen would talk about The power of meditation the right kind of meditation okay let's make very clear yoga and that kind of garbage new age evil garbage should be done away with instantly immediately meditating on the rosary is different okay that's a whole different approach but even fulton sheen would talk about the power of how it would help heal in order people who have suffered even with brain injuries yet take meditation in the rosary have found help. People who have struggled with addictions from porn addiction, drug addiction, gambling addiction, these types of things have had their brains physically altered in the positive by praying the rosary. So on a natural level, it's powerful and effective, spiritually powerful and effective, emotionally, psychologically. It can change the way we look at everything. I will say this, though. It's difficult at times to pray the rosary. I don't know about you, Adam, but every time I pray the rosary, I'm not feeling that. Sort of lofty moment. In fact, that rarely happens for me. I feel peace. I look forward to the Rosary. I do find a lot of peace. I've been praying it for years. I rarely ever miss a day, and if I do, it's because of some bizarre scenario. But when I pray the Rosary, I normally just realize that I'm doing it because I I know it's good, and I've been asked to do it by the Blessed Mother herself, as she said in Fatima and many many other Marian apparitions approved by the Church. She talks about the need to pray the Rosary, so. People who are struggling with the rosary, I know some out there listening right now are thinking, yeah, I don't get anything out of the rosary. You know, I don't pray the rosary because I want to get something out of it, though. I pray the rosary, number one, because I was asked to by our Blessed Mother, ultimately by God then through Our Lady. I was asked to pray it. And I do know psychologically, emotionally, physically, it has benefits to it. Just like sitting peacefully and calmly for 15 or 20 minutes on your own, on your patio and looking at nature has benefit to it. Imagine going through the repetition of something as beautiful as the rosary. So I encourage people try it for at least a month. Oh, Doug, that's look 15 to 20 minutes a day for a month. You can't do to see if it could change your life and your soul forever. Look, I just say, try it for at least a month. You will see the benefits probably to the point where you won't want to not pray it because you're going to find how incredibly, incredibly helpful it is on all these different levels. You know, Doug, I would say, I don't always want to pray the rosary, but I
1: don't ever regret taking the time to pray the rosary when I'm finished. Well said. I I can't remember if this was Fulton Sheen, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, or St. Louis de Montfort, who said that, you know, even when we're not feeling it, I'm going to paraphrase here, even when we're not feeling it, if we pray just five mysteries of the rosary, we've just prayed 53 Hail Marys and six Our Fathers, the Apostles' Creed, the Hail Holy Queen, the Fatima Prayer five times, that's 60, 70 prayers we would not have prayed that day if we didn't take the time to pray the rosary, and those prayers can be very efficacious, even if we're we're not feeling it.
4: Exactly, and, and that's a key thing to remember, is our feeling over things like prayers and devotions and sacraments do not specifically indicate whether or not they're effective. So you can walk out of the confessional, for example, and you can walk out thinking, "Well, I didn't really feel a lot. That priest didn't give me great advice. His bedside manner seemed a little sharp or a little. I think he was falling asleep in there. I can't even tell. You might walk out of there thinking, all of that. I just don't feel like I received the set. No. If you heard those words of absolution, you received it. So it is a matter of not looking at how I see the power of these things. Um, Do I have a part in that? I do by cooperating with God's grace, but that doesn't change the fact that God is still doing something in these areas, even if we don't feel it. We have to have more confidence in God doing what he does over and above what we feel. That's a major problem we have, Adam, is we feel a certain way. Therefore, we think that that's what dictates. And that's that's never always the case. Yeah, I think it
1: was Father Ripperger who recently said you have to be very careful with feelings because, you know, talk about the areas of spiritual warfare that the demons like to manipulate, that they can go after our feelings, but we have an intellect, and we have a will, and we can will to do these things that we have been told by our Lord, by the Blessed Mother, by the Church are good for us to do. Uh, Doug, you you brought up confession, so I'm just going to leave this little teaser out there. That's what we're going to be talking about tomorrow, and it's a very important point. So until then, have a great day, my friend.
4: Thanks, Adam. You too, brother.
0: Prayer of Abandonment. Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. Whatever you may do, I thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Let only your will be done in me and in all your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands I commend my soul. I offer it to you with all the love of my heart. For I love you, Lord, and so need to give myself, to surrender myself into your hands without reserve, and with boundless confidence, for you are my Father.
1: It's time to head out west via the phone, although I would be all for going out west right now. I love going out to the uh, southwest United States. But we're going to talk by phone with Kristalina Evert, host of Women Made New, who you can hear right here on Covenant Network on Saturday mornings. Kristalina, it's always good to speak with you.
5: I love being on your show, Adam. Thanks for having me back.
1: Well, we're glad to have you back. And I see that not only are you back with us, but you have a new book called Women Made New, Reflections on Adversity, Transformation, and Healing. So as someone who's been trying to write a book for the past year and a half with no success, number one, congratulations. But number two, what's the story behind it? Why did you even write a book?
5: Thank you so much, and I see such a need amongst women, and so many women are hurting right now, and for some reason, it's hard for women to come together, and so with this book, what I did is I wanted to give women a manual and almost a weapon in their hands of no matter what it is they're going through in their life or what their past looks like or what brokenness they have to face that they can overcome anything. And there are 12 different contributors that I got together for this book, coming from different ages, all walks of life. They had major struggles in their life, and they overcame. But these women are also powerhouses in the Catholic Church, because I feel like when I went through my own healing process, I had to look everywhere in different places, and I wanted a one-stop shop for women to know these other women of God who have their own ministries that have tools that can help them in their own difficulties in their life, and that they are overcomers. And I'm an overcomer. And one of the beauties and the shockers for me is that Mother Angelica is actually one of my contributors. EWTN allowed me to go through, I went through 300 hours of live shows of mother angelica and i would literally have my earbud in for this past year of just listening doing laundry cooking dinners going outside just always just listening taking notes and i went back to the very beginning of when she did her shows and she had whiteboard shows and we're talking very beginning these are things people i don't even realize are out there And I was able to compile two chapters from Mother Angelica that have never been in writing before. So that is really a treat for me, but also a treat for the readers, because even though she is passed away, her message is so relevant for right here and right now in these times.
1: I'm so excited to hear there are other contributors to this book, because a little admission here. I have a a penchant or a a sweet tooth, shall we say, for chocolate-covered peanut butter graham cookies. I love them. And that's what I keep in the house as a little guilty pleasure. But can you imagine if life It's was... your
5: tree, Adam, but it's your kryptonite too, right? Right, it's exactly. Downfall.
1: It's somewhere between comfort and gluttony. But <laughs> th- right. then you go to the candy aisle or the cookie aisle at the store and you see all of the options. And some days you say, you know, as much as I love this, it'd be good to, to enjoy that. And it's the same way for me with spiritual masters, with speakers and authors such as yourself some days i really like to hear from certain people and other days it's nice to get a different perspective so tell us you, you told us about mother angelica who else are we going to be looking for here
5: so we have janet bankovic she has hers her chapter and then i have Teresa tamio but then i also have katherine hadrow and she's talking about people pleasing or i have lisa cotter talking about that feminine genius and where women fit in the church or I have Dr. Kimberly Chapion, who is a Catholic psychologist, counselor, and how you have to make space for grace for God in your life. And Layla Miller, she's another one, and we discuss divorce. And if you're a child of divorce, or if you've gone through a divorce, how can you can overcome that? So, And then also I have a priest, Father Joseph Mary Wolf at EWTN, who was a the chaplain there, and he actually wrote a chapter on Beauty. And within his chapter, it's beauty tips. And obviously, it's spiritual beauty tips, but the things he says are so profound and things I truly never thought of. When he sent me this chapter, and he was one of the first people that got the chapter back to me, and it's when I was in the middle of having COVID, Adam, and I was so sick and just in such despair, right? And all of my eight kids, my gosh, it was terrible. I started crying, and it was so life-giving, his words to me. And that's what I see in all of these different various chapters. They're going to be incredibly life-giving to all these different women struggling with all these very serious things in their lives. Well,
1: Kristalina, I think the big question, because I know this is actually going to kind of set up our, our next few weeks together, having you here on Roadmap to Heaven. The big question is this. If the goal of the show here is everyday holiness to get us to heaven— What is one thing you hope that readers of this book would take away that will help them in that mission of just growing in holiness and getting to heaven?
5: One, God has a very specific purpose and plan for each one of us, and not one of us is the same or we look alike. It's all very different because we're all just small pieces and portions in his huge masterpiece he has going on in heaven. And I want everyone in the next four weeks or three weeks that I'm with you in these segments to ask this one question, and that's the question I have these women asking in this book, is what is keeping you, you alone, from becoming that man or woman God created you to be? Because there's something, there's some block, there's some brokenness, there's a vice, there's something in your life that is keeping you from fully embracing that man or woman God is calling you to, and whatever that is, that's where you go. That's where you start, and that's ground zero, and then you work from there. And sometimes it's scary, sometimes it's hard, you don't want to, but at the same time, that is where God's asking you to go, because it's all hands on deck right now. God will give you the, the grace, the strength, the faith, and all the tools necessary to overcome and slay whatever is in the way, because on the other side, it's a whole new world, and God wants to change the trajectory of so many people's lives, but they need to show up to their own fight, Adam.
1: All right. Well, you know, recently I went to a concert, heard one of my favorite soul singers, R&B, Mavis Staples, and she's got this song, If You're Ready... Come go with me, and and I'm ready. So let's go. Let's let's go, all go let's there together. Go. Let me go home and grab Beth, and she's ready to go, too. We're all we're all ready to start heading to heaven here, God willing. So, Crystalina, I want to thank you for being with us today, and I look forward to talking more about this next week, that God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us, not just the women listening today, gentlemen. He's got a plan for us as well, although the book is for women made new, and you can get that through EWTN Publishing. Crystalina Evert. I want to thank you for today, and I look forward to next week.
5: Me too, and everyone, take that question and really ponder on it this week and see what God has to say to you.
1: All right, there's your homework. What does God have to say to you you about your purpose? you got a week. You don't have to write it down, but you at least need to think about it. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven, so you can get a jump start on that. We'll be back with you in just a few moments.
3: Prayer for the gift of prudence. Jesus, artful master of parables, your prudence eluded the hypocrites. Your actions were known before creation— displaying all the wisdom of your prudence. Eternity must have attended to minutia. Being prudent in your best interest, you considered all potential consequences, securing the outcome of your earthly life. Grant me the prudence to always be cautious and sensitive to the basic needs of others. Jesus, you have shown great foresight. Prudence truly originates from your being. Amen. Let's just say that today our
1: Catequist question it's going to tie together a lot of things. It's a true or false question. True or false. In 1980, Pope St. John Paul II canonized a former satanic priest as a saint of the Roman Catholic Church. True or false? John Paul II, Pope St. John Paul II, in 1980 canonized a former satanic priest as a saint. In the Roman Catholic Church. Now, if you're a good test taker, you already know the answer to this is true. I'm not going to make this up for you. And I'm going to use it to tie everything together. And that's, that's what I love about these catequiz segments. Uh, that saint, so well, it's actually blessed. So we should say beatified, not canonized. He hasn't been canonized yet. He's, a, he's beatified. He's a blessed. So I guess technically it's false. My my that's that's the professor's fault here. So you you still get credit for it. Uh, he, Blessed Bartolo Longo was beatified in 1980 by Pope Saint John Paul II. Now I love this uh, article I found by Angel, An, Angelo Stagnaro. It was shared by the National Catholic Register, who says. He writes, it's the same old story. Catholic kid grows up in a religious family, goes away to university, falls in with a bunch of drug-fueled satanic pagans, becomes a satanic high priest, comes to his senses, and realizes he's made the stupidest mistake world history and ultimately reverts back to the church. It's the basic satanic rags to saintly riches story. Um, he, Angelo says, the stories about Blessed Bartolo Longo are truly legendary. Some of the details aren't acceptable for mixed company, and even some of the battle-hardened Marines I know have blanched in horror at the tale, says Angelo Stagnaro. So here's, here's the thing. Grew up in a Catholic fi- uh, family in Italy in 1851. He went to go study law at the University of Naples. He falls in with a group of uh, satanic pagans. He ends up being ordained, quote-unquote, a satanic priest. He participates in seances, fortune-telling, and grave sins, um, thinking he could do, quote-unquote, real magic, uh, which just keeps adding to his fall and his fall away from the church and his fall away from grace and his fall away from God. Uh, Sadly, he convinced many Catholics to leave the church and to participate in occult rites. But the more—this is the best part—the deeper he went into that— the more isolated, alone, and despairing he felt. Uh, Dark depression, um, demonic oppression and obsession, you know, he just realized he was so far away from God. He had a, he heard his deceased father speak to him, return to God, return to God. And so he went and sought out a priest and through the work of that priest, he ends up in prayer hearing from the words of the Blessed Virgin Mary. If you seek salvation, promulgate the rosary. If you seek salvation, promulgate the rosary. So Blessed Bartolo Longo actually uh, converted, reverted from his ways, was reconciled to the church, came back into the church as one of the great blesseds with a history of promoting the rosary. There's a lot more to it, you gotta look it up. You gotta look up, Blessed Bartolo Longo. It is a fascinating story. Unless you think it's, oh, this is a story from hundreds of years ago beatified by Pope St. John Paul II in 1980. Bartolo Longo only died in 1926. 96 years ago, at the age of 75, he died. This is the stuff of recent history, stuff we
3: should pay attention to.
1: We're going to take a break here in just a few minutes. We'll be back with Dr. Scott Hahn. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned.
3: Prayer for charity. O my Jesus, thou art very true love, enkindled in my heart the divine fire which consumes the saints and transforms them into you. O Lord our God, we offer thee our hearts, united in the strongest and most sincere love of brotherhood. We pray that Jesus in the blessed sacrament may be the daily food of our souls and bodies, that Jesus may be established as the center of our affections, even as he was for Mary and Joseph. Finally, O Lord, may sin never disturb our union on earth, And may we be eternally united in heaven with thee, and Mary and Joseph, and with all the saints. Amen.
1: Well, we are back, and we're happy to be talking with Dr. Scott Hahn this week about the Blessed Mother. What a a wonderful person to be speaking of. Dr. Hahn, today we're going to talk about Mary as the Ark of the Covenant. Before we jump into that, I just want to ask very briefly something you made me think of Yesterday, we talked in our first conversation about Mary is the new Eve. And yesterday, as you were talking about not the contractual relationship we have with our Lord in trying to get to heaven, but really the familial relationship that going through the Blessed Mother to Jesus is such a beautiful way to get to heaven. We refer to Mary as the new Eve. And yet at the foot of the cross, what does our Lord from the cross say to the beloved disciple? Behold your mother. And that is something for us. It's not just the beloved disciple. So is there a kind of an interplay there that just as my mother wants me to get to heaven but she's imperfect, our Lord's giving us a perfect mother who also wants us to get to heaven?
6: Well, you summed it up right there, simply and precisely. But let me unpack it just a little bit. because. This, again, relates to the fundamental theme that is running through our whole series of conversations, and that is the unity of Sacred Scripture and how it relates to the Old Testament and the New. Because, you know, going back 500 years, looking at the Protestant Reformation, you had in Martin Luther what is called a dialectic, that is, it's law versus Gospel. And so there's a sense in which the Gospel retires the law, because the law was only meant to make you feel guilty and in need of a Savior, and when the Savior comes along, there's a sense in which he frees you from the obligations of the law. Now, we don't follow that notion of a dialectic. There is no tension between the old and the new. What we follow is the notion of analogy. Pope Benedict made that very clear in a number of talks that he's given over the years, but he's really echoing the Church's living tradition. And what do I mean by an analogy? Well, an analogy is a similar thing that is also dissimilar. And so an analogy is what teachers use to introduce the unfamiliar in terms of what is familiar. And how does this apply to the Old Covenant and the New? Well, once we adjust our lens and recognize that a covenant is, in ancient Israel at least, a sacred family bond, then you recognize that the Old Covenant is the natural human family that goes back to our first parents who failed us by transgressing. And then what is the new covenant? Well, it's unveiled as a new and eternal covenant, because we discover that family is not something that is primarily human and physical, but divine and spiritual. That God is not less of a father than me, and when we uh, use that term father or son and apply it to God, it's infinitely truer and eternally perfect in God. And so the Father sends the Son to pour out the Holy Spirit as plan A, even though it took a long time, and it feels like plan B. But the new covenant was what God intended from the beginning, and this is a new family. And so we are grateful for our old family, for our natural parents and our natural siblings. And we recognize the flesh and blood bond that is sociological and all that. And we're grateful also that the Blessed Virgin Mary is, as Pope Benedict put it, In one of his famous talks, Mary is the New Covenant in the midst of the Old, even as a member of the Old Covenant. She traces her genealogy all the way back to Adam and Eve, as we see in Luke 3. And yet, at the same time, she's planted, like this pure virginal seed, into the soil of our humanity, precisely so that this is where a New Covenant begins, a new family that is both divine and human. Again, I mean, it blows our minds it ignites our hearts it exceeds our capacities but at the same time it's obviously what god wants for us to profess and not only to profess but also to ponder as she does in luke 2:19 and again in verse 51 she ponders all of these things in her heart as we should and as you indicated adam there in john 19 verses 26 and following when jesus saw his mother And the disciple whom he loved standing near, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Now, you might think that he's just taking care of last-minute details in terms of the custodial protection of Mary. Well, no. First of all, he would have done that earlier. Second of all, if he had blood brothers who were other offspring of the Blessed Virgin, as the Lutheran scholar Professor E. W. Hengstenberg noticed, he would never have been allowed to do that. You can't entrust your mother to the beloved disciple if you have younger brothers and sisters. They're automatically going to take care of her. And so even as a Lutheran, he recognized that those who are called Christ's brothers and sisters are his nearest kinsmen, or what we would call cousins. And so the fact that he is entrusting her to the beloved disciple is proof that he really is her only son, but even more... That in the spiritual order that Christ's death and resurrection is about to establish, this is going to be extended from Jesus through Mary to the beloved disciple John. So he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own. You know, some translations say to his own home, which was true. But it would be just as true to say, to his own heart, because that's where we have our mothers. No matter where we are geographically, we have our mother in our heart. And if that's true in the Old Covenant with natural family ties, it isn't less true, but truer, much more so in the New Covenant. And so what we have is a snapshot in John 19 of something that really goes all the way back to, as we discussed in an earlier episode, back in John 2, where he called her a woman at the wedding at Cana in Galilee. And so we see, in a certain sense, the new Eve as the mystical bride of the new Adam in John 2, and then we see the new Eve as the mystical mother of the sons and daughters of God in John 19. And we're not making this stuff up. No, in fact, this was being celebrated and contemplated back in the second, third, and fourth centuries, as the scriptures were assimilated and contemplated. And so it is that just as Adam went into the deep sleep and from his side came forth the new Eve from his rib, so Jesus slips into the deep sleep of death, but from his pierced side in the next few verses, here in John 19, comes the water and the blood, the water that will prove to be our baptismal rebirth and the blood that will be the blood of the New Covenant, the Eucharistic blood as well, but before he is pierced as a dead body, he gives up his Spirit, and it's not like he's simply expiring, he is imparting that Spirit to the Blessed Virgin, and through her to all of us as well. Once again, you can see the principle of analogy, that these things that are so mystical, so supernatural, so mysterious, so beyond our understanding, are put in terms that are physical, so that we learn the unfamiliar mysteries that are spiritual through the things that are familiar, like water, and blood, and breath, and mother, and beloved son, and the beloved disciple as well. And so as we assemble these things, we realize this is more than proof-texting Marian doctrine. This is reading Scripture in its context, the old and the new, and how the new is concealed in the old, and then how the old is fulfilled and revealed in the new as being something that goes beyond our wildest dreams. It exceeds the highest hopes of even the holiest Hebrews that what God intended from the beginning was to draw us into a family communion that is not reducible to the physical fatherhood of Adam, but truly to the divine paternity of the Father, through the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father, but we're not a single-parent family. The Blessed Virgin Mary is the mother of Jesus, the mother of God, but any man who's going to turn around and give us his own mother to be ours is not about to withhold any other blessing, and this is proof positive, Exhibit A, that if Jesus is giving to his beloved disciples his own mother to be our own, wow!
1: Indeed. You know, Dr. Han, one of the most beautiful things about the Blessed Mother is that we could talk for hours about Forever. <laughs> We yes. could. We, we inexhaustible. <laughs> the unfortunate thing is it is morning drive time radio and I you know, I know some of our listeners are saying I don't want to turn this off, but I've got to go into work right now. So I think we're gonna stop here for today and tomorrow we're gonna wrap up with that question. What does it mean to call Mary the Ark of the Covenant? I wanna thank you for your time today.
6: Oh, so much fun. Thank you, Adam, for the generous invitation and radio hospitality.
1: (laughs) We're going to take a quick break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere.
0: Act of Contrition. Oh, my God, I am heartily sorry for having offended thee, and I detest all my sins because I dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell, but most of all because I have offended thee, my God, who are all good and deserving of all my love. I firmly resolve, with the help of thy grace, to confess my sins, to do penance, and to amend my life. Amen.
1: I have one question for you on this Wednesday. Are you ready to restart with our Daily Dose of Encouragement? No, we're not changing topics. That is the topic, the art of restarting. And here with our encouragement is Patty Schneier.
7: Well, yesterday we talked about some practical things to assess whenever you need to restart or begin again in an area of your life. We talked about the body and we talked about space. Today I want to talk about two more practical things to do if you're trying to make some changes in your life. The first one is time. We need to address how do we use our time. And Father Rossini in his book, The Art of Restarting, says the enemy's main goal, believe it or not, is not to tempt us to do evil, but rather it's to keep Keep us from doing good to keep us away from what we're supposed to do to keep us away from love so in a sense a lot of time the enemy's main goal is to make us waste time isn't that so true for many of us especially when we waste time on the seven deadly sins the goal of sin is to always keep us from love so we need to begin again we need to assess how much time do we waste How much time do we waste online? How much time do we waste watching the news, talking about nothing, writing messages without importance, or playing games on the latest electronic device? Those are things that waste our time, and they get us stuck from beginning again and from starting over and and having that new restart. The second thing we need to assess are the duties of our state in life. There are responsibilities that come with our state in life, and you just can't deny them. So if you're a student, How's your GPA? If you're a parent, you know, maybe you don't have time for TV or checking sports stats, right? So we definitely want to do the things that we need to do that are according to our state in life, our vocation. Assess those to begin again in whatever area in your life that you want to make some changes. So evaluate time and evaluate your duties that you need to address.
1: It may seem like difficult work, but it is very well worth it. Patty Schneier, thank you for this dose of encouragement. We are uh, sadly out of time. You know, like we have a little bit of time left, but we don't have enough time for the Daily Dose of Encouragement. We went on with Dr. so long there. So here's what I'm going to tell you to do. If you're saying, Adam, I really want to hear the Daily Dose of Encouragement, as soon as the show ends. If you're on the Internet, go to OurCatholicRadio.org. Click on Programs. You can click on Daily Dose of Encouragement. Listen to it right there. If you like podcasts, go find the Daily Dose of Encouragement podcast. Listen to it right there because Patty's got good stuff for us today. And uh, sad to say that... <laughs> We just ran over time on some of these things, and that's where we are. You know. And that is part of what happens sometimes in life, and you have to learn to pivot and adjust. And sometimes I have a really hard time with that, especially in the daily disciplines, saying, well, you know, I do this every day. I do this every day, and now I can't do it. And that's going to throw my whole day off. Well, learning, learning to cope with that is an important thing. I'll never forget when Beth and I were first married um, 13 years ago. We celebrated our 13th anniversary at the beginning of the month. There are a lot of things that both of us were saying. I do this every day. It's like, well, we're married now. I don't know that you can do that every day, and I don't know that I can do that every day. And uh, It's wonderful how marriage really brings out the best in you by tempering those things that need to be tempered. We're going to continue our conversations tomorrow with Dr. Hahn, and we're also going to continue with Doug Barry tomorrow. And very important to tune in for that. Doug and I are going to be talking about confession tomorrow on the show. Uh, we also have a fascinating uh, conversation we had a few weeks ago with, with a scientist talking about the Shroud of Turin and many other things. Uh, we're going to bring you part of that conversation. That one's so good, but it's long that we're going to have to put that one on the podcast. So all these great reasons to listen to the radio in the morning and then the podcast later in the day. There you have it. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, as always, to Kristalina Everett, Doug Berry, and Dr. Scott Hahn for being with us today. And as I said at the beginning of the show, very important, mass and sacraments always, and pray the rosary. Pray the rosary. Don't be ashamed to pray it. Don't boast in praying it. Just pray the rosary today. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright.